Decorating Pages is a podcast dedicated to taking you behind the scenes of the designs of your favorite TV shows and films. Each episode, I'll be sharing design stories from some of Hollywood's most famous sets, interviews from set decorators, production designers, directors, and actors about creating the look of TV and film, about their design inspirations, and stories that take sets from page to screen. Welcome to Decorating Pages. I'm your host, Kim Wanup. Three. You get three this week. I mean, you must be exhausted because I kind of am. <laughs> I don't know. It's kind of a lot. I mean, I'm the only one doing this, right? Um, but I love it. And I'm super excited because um, this episode came up uh, quite quickly and unexpected, and I'm glad that I'm able to make this work. So uh, today we're talking to production designer Judy Ree and set decorator Kathy Marshall about pe- Poker Face. I was going to say Peacock's Poker Face, but uh, yeah, I've never met either one of them. Kathy, I have um, I have seen here and there on like SDSA uh zooms or parties maybe um but i'd also love to grab her again to talk about her career because she's got some awesome credits and i'm definitely inspired by her by both women so uh we'll hear them in a little bit i don't know what one ups watching because i don't have time to watch anything doing all these podcasts so (laughs) i don't even know what i watched last night because oh you know what i've been watching is the verdict from uh 1982 with paul newman and god it's so it's lit almost so dark in some spots it's so great and um his acting is so good and just the story and i think i had seen it or bits and pieces of it like my grandfather watching it when i was younger and might have caught some pieces but I never watched it all the way through so uh I had been watching that just like I had said last week watching North by Northwest I put this on and um James Mason is in both of those films and he's obviously aged a ton in in, uh The Verdict but really just a great movie and sad a little sad so there um I was just reading that Warner Brothers might disable TCM which is where I watch all these movies and that is so disheartening I I already miss because I um I don't I don't really have cable anymore um I miss like Osborne talking about the movies and getting those introductions because on streaming you just put it on so I already miss that and I was reading that Scorsese and Paul Thomas Anderson and um Spielberg had like an emergency meeting with the head of Warner Brothers to try, maybe to try to save TCM. Are they going to buy it and take it over? I mean, I hope if I can help in any way, because I love it. I also feel like they let some movies in that they shouldn't now because it's with HBO and some of the older movies that are on HBO, they just put on the TCM app, which I think is weird. They're not really classics, but I'm also, you know, we don't want all black and whites. We Films of the 70s and 80s are classics now. I mean, how scary is that? So um, I hope I hope they don't get rid of that because I really enjoy TCM. And I'm sure you do too if you ever pop it on and, and just want to watch an old movie. I, I watch that. I check that out. That's probably the my go-to. My go-to is probably HBO and TCM at this point because... When I'm done watching whatever series I'm watching, I usually turn on an old movie and, and it has always had such great selection. So I hope that doesn't go. What else? Um, I don't know. I don't know what else I got for you besides I've had another beautiful day in Los Angeles. My goodness, the sun is shining over here. So I think it was all rainy when I talked to my parents this morning back east. So sorry, New York. Sorry, everybody. Um, oh, I did just read too that Texas has like a $200 million film incentive. So I guess a lot of my friends are going to be going to Texas for movies, uh, pretty soon. So, uh, yeehaw to that. Uh, 
that's a good thing. Happy to hear that. And um, I think I might take next week off, people. I think I deserve a little bit of break. And it'll give you time to catch up um, if it was too much for you. If having all these awesome podcasts was too much for you, you're going to have some time to catch up. Voting for Emmys ends Monday, the 26th. So on today's episode, I speak with production designer Judy Ree and set decorator Kathy Marshall about the first season Peacock series Poker Face. With the series storyline being of a girl on the run, the art department and set deck teams were sprinting to create incredibly detailed sets that lead this character from Reno to a southern barbecue, truck stops, dinner theaters, and ending up in Atlantic City. We talk about the struggles of working with no permanent sets to fall back on, having scripts and outlines ahead of time to keep the team a tad bit ahead, and making upstate New York look like middle America. The team also included set decorator Elizabeth Eggert. Um, her and Kathy were doing uh, every other, seems like every other episode, but they shot out of order, so good luck to you there. I don't know how you did it. It's uh, the tons and tons of set. I forgot to ask how many sets they had, but um, yeah, it's a lot. It's a good series. I say this... Um, I'm not really a fan of Natasha Lyonne and her whole uh, spiel uh, and that hair, but um, it's good. It's almost like she's she's not in every single scene. There's a lot of storyline without her, <laughs> if you're not her fan. If you are a fan, she's good in it. I learned to appreciate her in this also and thought that she was really good in this. Um, I loved Slums of uh, Beverly Hills. That would, would probably be my favorite uh, project of hers but uh, that was a long time ago um, so yeah yeah. Uh, I hope you enjoy <laughs> Hi. Hi. How are you? Good. I feel like I've seen you on like uh, SDSA meeting zooms or something. right right <laughs> Hi Judy. Hi, so nice Hi, to meet you. you. Are you Kim? I'm Kim. Oh, that's it. Nice to meet you. I Hi Kathy. Hi Judy. <laughs> <laughs> Kathy, I was looking because um, I'm like I know that I had reached out to you, and it was like February 2020, mm -hmm. and and then the pandemic, and then we like emailed, and then you know shit happens and work happens and then I never followed up so <laughs> I'm glad to, to get you for this because I love your work on Hunters too I mean Hunters was oh, fantastic thank you. Yeah. yeah so that was that was a fun job like this one we, we got to do some great creative sets really you know interesting different oh yeah character stuff so how did you guys get involved with this and how long was your prep well, um, I'll go ahead and start. Yeah. Um, I was contacted by my agent who told me about the project. I read the scripts and of course I he I've heard great things about Ryan Johnson. So I was thrilled mm -hmm. to be considered. Um, yeah. And then, you know, read the scripts, was a little bit concerned about how the schedule would lay out. Uh, and I went on the naive assumption that we were going to travel to some of these locations, which of course I discovered very quickly when I started that that was not the case, that we would have to find everything in the Hudson Valley. Um, in terms of prep, I don't feel like we had enough prep um, yeah. for the amount of work. And certainly the decorators did not start early enough. Yeah. Um, and it took a while for me to convince um, the higher-ups that we were only going to be able to achieve this by having alternating decorators. There wasn't enough prep. I mean, it was tight as it was. Right. Um, so, yeah, in an ideal world, uh, both decorators would have started earlier, and uh, I would have started earlier. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, I find, I mean, I on the, I was on um, For All Mankind, and we had to bring on a second decorator, and you know, there's always like two art directors or five art directors. And so I think it is mm -hmm. hopefully becoming a little bit more balanced with like how much work there is in decorating and location work versus set work. And 
it's we just have to do it like it it sort of has yeah. to become like the norm on these bigger shows i feel otherwise it's it's too much it's i can't, I can't do it i can't do it well, especially on this show, because each episode was its own kind of right. mini movie, its own story. And there were no Amort sets. No. There were no sets that were standing from episode to episode. So it was basically starting from scratch each each episode. Yeah. And I had never worked that way either, as Judy explained. Uh, we couldn't have done it any other way, yeah. really. Yeah. When you have uh, no, you, you're, if you're not going to be on stage for four days, you know. Right. Then you don't, you can't catch up. You can't catch your breath, and this is such a show of like she's on the road. She's in a different city every episode, mm-hmm. and I noticed that. I mean, I knew about the show and, and everything like that, but I didn't know that she was going to be on the. Obviously, I thought it was like you know a little bit of like coming back to the casino. Or, I don't know, but <laughs> obviously you're not she's not going back there. <laughs> so, um, so. Did you build, I feel like the casino and maybe like a couple of the first episodes you had some builds, but then, I mean. Um, The casino was something we created from scratch. Um, We couldn't find a casino that would let us shoot, obviously, while they were operating. So we ended up creating everything in an abandoned event space nearby Mm. so um that was a huge undertaking that took up most of prep for lizzie who did that episode to find enough casino equipment that actually functioned and i know that kathy may know this a little bit better than i do when you take working casino equipment across state lines you have to get a gambling license and there were all these other things that we learned about yes. um, now I know and yes. um, Sterling's office we built um, the crow's nest we built so yeah this event space ended up becoming kind of like our fourth stage that we use intermittently um, just because the turnover and our limited stage space uh, where our offices were were quite small and they were always filled um, so yeah we created a lot from episode one and nine and which are the two that we shot back to back in the beginning oh wow so you had at least nine scripts <laughs> wow we had we had 10 yeah we had like eight and a half 10 scripts one of them or a couple of them weren't fully developed but we had an outline mm. of where she was going to travel to and then 10 there's a casino is 10 10 the last one nine right. yes. 10 so 10 was 10 a location because i was like is that mohegan sun i thought it was mohegan sun is it yeah it oh. was a functioning casino in yeah. connecticut and i'm not sure how or why they allowed us to shoot there which was thankfully a good thing yeah um because by 10 i mean we were still building a lot of sets and um yeah, I mean, we all had roller skates on and never stopped. <laughs> no, I, I, I know. So, so you block, sh- block shot two at a time through the whole season or just the first two? Just the first two. Just the first two. Ryan was directing the first two, and it was based on actor availability. Um, oh. So, yeah, one and nine, and then we built simultaneously creating the the casinos in Sterling's office and the crow's nest. We also built the lodge on stage. It so wouldn't it be nice if it was based on like decorator availability, or like <laughs> prop availability, or yeah, that would be yeah, that would be great. <laughs> Art department, yeah. Um, so when did the two of you are reading these scripts? Are you like, uh, what? <laughs> Where is she going and how are we going to, how did you find that in as episode two, that like truck stop, barren truck stop in the Hudson Valley? Actually, that's the only episode oh. we shot entirely out of state. That was in New Mexico. Oh, okay. But we didn't shoot two until the end. So it was uh-huh. one, nine, and then three. And then that's when Kathy started her episodes. Oh wow! Um, so you were so Kathy was prepping three while we were still prepping and shooting one and nine. 
Oh my gosh. I, out of order seems awful, but I guess these are kind of bottled. I mean, there's right. there's a thread, but they are kind of bottled mm-hmm. in a sense of storyline. And, and you don't have to, I mean, how many times have I taken over a show or you or like, and you have to like continue on sets and everything. So it is kind of nice that you don't, you're not like redressing something or, you know, it's all new. Kind of. <laughs> I would have welcomed redressing anything. <laughs> <laughs> it sounds like a, it sounds like a beatdown, but it looks great. I mean, and Kathy was instrumental in getting three up and going because we were all so stretched thin that right. she found. I mean, you can tell the story, Kathy, but we basically designed the set and the whole field around what Kathy found. Oh, wow. And her input was instrumental. Yeah. How did that yeah, that one uh, required this Texas, outdoor Texas barbecue joint, like out in the middle of nowhere. Huge, huge barbecue. Kind of... Huge smoker. <laughs> huge smokers. Yeah. Three huge smokers. Yep. <laughs> And uh, and creating it in the Hudson Valley to look like Texas somewhere where Charlie's at the end, you know, been driving for several hours across multiple states and or finds this dog and then yeah. he jumps out right at near this barbecue joint. So we were very lucky with our location people finding kind of a great, I guess in it had been a, an old gas station. Mm. Um, with a farm across the street. The guy's father had owned it in the 40s, and it had then been repurposed as kind of a brewery club where they had music uh, inside uh, the building. But the brewery was inside the garage, you know, in like the old uh, mechanics room, and then they had like an attached uh, bar, which we really never even used. Uh, we Mm. We created our own kitchen, and then the outside area, and Judy, uh, they designed this great shed to house all, all of these smokers. Um, I was lucky to find <clears throat> 3,000-gallon propane tank smokers. I, know <laughs> I thought it... we were going to have to build them at yes. first because that was scripted, you know. I, I've had uh, to I've had to build them, so I know. Yes. <laughs> so I did all that research in the beginning. Fortunately, I had a little time for that. But for I, I lucked out and found a barbecue kind of grill master uh, in the Hudson Valley who had a smoker. He had a couple of smaller ones. And then I found two other smokers from different vendors that I also brought in. So that kind of helped us, you know, create the set around what we found. Um, and the field behind this this place, it was like a farm. So there was a lot of acreage. We were able to put the Airstream... Uh, off in the distance so that Boyle could live and work in the same area across the street from that was supposed to be this radio station, little, you know, country out. I love that radio radio station. station. All of those posters and like everything. I was like, fantastic. (laughs) And, you know, the, I guess the geography of it was so huge. We had to put in a parking lot, put in a road, you know, put in 12, um, what you call it, uh, telephone poles just to hold the lighting oh my God. To, for all of the, you know, the, the nighttime light bulbs to light the thing. And uh, it was it was a pretty big dress. Yeah, um, it was a pretty but, big dress. I mean, I think we pulled acreage. it off. I thought it looked pretty good. Oh, it <laughs> The smokers pretty- worked. Everything, you know, was authentic. Found that great cow, uh, <laughs> which I love. Uh We had some good vendors up in the Hudson Valley who were collectors of some great objects. And so we're able to pull from a lot of different sources to to make the set. I do love like, you know, outside his trailer, his little world that you made and like his little Mm -hmm. smoker and his wood pile. And he's sitting, you know, his outside uh, pieces and plants. I I mean, his garden. Yeah. yeah. I was I was also thinking there was a lot of trailers and buses and cars in this mm-hmm. show too, which is always fun when you think when you're like, oh yeah, we'll do her tra-. like her main trailer or like his trailer. Like you have such a small space to get this character into that I find I like it. I'm like, we just 
get everything in there and they'll see it. You know what I mean? You're not spaced <laughs> out so much. They're going to see what we put in here. They're really going to see it. So I do love You hope they it. do anyway sometimes. Yeah. <laughs> well, he was on the floor a lot. <laughs> yeah, yeah at dark, in the dark, you know, in the no dark. lights. But... Yeah. I was thinking of that episode too, like, uh, they had a lot of nights, <laughs> a lot of night scenes on this one too, and the turnarounds and, but it, it does work out sometimes for art department and set deck because then we have all day to dress. <laughs> so sometimes it works out for night shots. But, sometimes. Yeah. <laughs> but, I mean, so much of the show was so specific and it's, uh, how it was written and all the camera blocking. So things had to be designed around those camera angles. And every episode had that version, like, you know, that as well as the theater. All those yeah. camera moments were thought through and designed around. So I don't even know that we could have found a location that would have fulfilled all those story points that Ryan was very specific about. Mm. So that was the other challenge. It wasn't like we could just find any barbecue joint, not that it existed, uh, in the Hudson Valley, but it had to be tailored and modified for all those specific story points. Did you find it difficult to keep um, cohesiveness in like the the um, the colors or like in you know because everything's so different every episode? Was there did you just go with it or did you try to keep a palette? There there was no sort of thread of palette that we were trying to keep yeah. like you know as you mentioned each script is its own little movie and she comes across a different geography and different set of characters so it was really about creating something for the characters and um, where we were supposed to be so you know it was always collaborative it was never a thought through plan of like okay so she's gonna hit blues first and then it's gonna get warmer right. and Right. It was not discussed in those terms, and I don't know that Ryan was looking for that. Right. So we did approach each episode as its own specific thing. So whatever we chose for three was obviously very different from six and ten and eight, you know. So, um, yeah, I mean, Kathy and I would discuss, well, what do you think about this? And sometimes it would just start with a piece of wallpaper swatch or a piece of carpet or a fabric and think, oh, that's great, that's perfect. And then we would somehow build around that. And um, it worked. I think it worked mm -hmm. for each episode to have its own yeah. kind of imprinted color palette. Oh, Dev, I mean, because like, even when you're going with the, the like heavy metal band and the the blacks and like the reds and everything, and then you're, you're at the retirement community with like browns and oranges, I mean, obviously, any show you're on, you can have a palette, but it's dependent on what the set is, too. I mean, you have to be, if it's realistic, I mean, it's, those are what they are. But I was, right. I, I was wondering if there was an overall, because it, it, because of the storyline, it doesn't need it. The threat, the thread is more in the story than like visually always keeping her in blue or something and then red at the end. So that's understandable. I mean, Charlie really is the only thread, her yeah. and her barracuda. Yeah, yeah that's, <laughs> that's it. Everything else is new for each episode. So was, uh, was there uh, a lot of interaction with costumes and trying to, because the subject matter is so different in every episode and trying to play off of any of that, like it with like in anything with like sofas or fabrics in the theater and the color of the background or anything or. I mean, it was, once again, we didn't have that much prep together, the costume designer and I. So, uh, and she didn't get casting until like the day before. So right. it was it was pretty run and gun for all of us. But, you know, occasionally we did have time in the parking lot. What color <laughs> are you thinking about? And we would just shout out <laughs> colors or she would run into the office and say, what do you think about this? It's like, perfect. We won't, you know, just to make sure it wasn't going to blend in with the wall colors or clashed yeah. with the uh, the wallpaper. And she may have reached out to Kathy as well to ask questions and it was very cryptic. <laughs> yeah, I would send her stuff when I had something, I would say, okay, this is where I'm going with it. And, uh, but it was all running. <laughs> I think one of the, the best examples of, of the collaborative effort was 
how in the beginning we used this event space and Lizzie and, and the gang, her team, they created this amazing um, uh, casino and all the other structures within that space. We ended up using the same space in episode, was it 106, Judy? Yeah, with the six. Movie mm-hmm. the, the theater. The theater. So we had to use that same space and pretty much eliminate the casino feeling and stuff from the previous mm-hmm. episode and make it now into a dinner theater um, and create a kitchen in the basement and create the backstage area and the catwalk area and the dressing room areas <coughs> in that same <laughs> building. I, so that was a challenge and that was an amazing, I think, feat with the art department and the production design to to pick the spaces and to design the walls and, and stuff that would help make that what it was. Well, now I'm and, blown away that that wasn't like an actual location in the kitchen and and. I yeah. would shoot. I would. I would shoot your location manager. <laughs> I would be like, dude, you gotta find us something. We can't dress all of. We can't make. We brought of it. every piece in. Every it was an empty Ugh. room in the basement. You know, the for the kitchen, and we brought all that stuff in. And then the stage that was there for the original event space, which I don't think you guys used for the casino, but it was yeah. too small for our theater, our dinner theater. So. Judy and the art directors, and they built out the stage, um, the floor and the sides and the back walls and gave, you know, gave us more space for the set that was going to go on it, plus a backstage area and the wings. And then the house area, um, I think one of the, we had a, there was a very patterned carpet from the original event space that was used in the casino. And there wasn't enough time to order, uh, you know, new carpet that would have gone, worked for the uh, dinner theater. And it was going to cost, what, about $65,000 if we could have even gotten the volume that we needed for the space. So, you know, Judy and I discussed it, and I pretty much felt like if we could tone it down and and color it, you know, dye it like a darker color, so you still had a pattern but it wasn't, it wouldn't read as bright as it did in the casino right. and that we were shooting the theater at night anyway in the dark. And sometimes that stuff just kind of disappears. So that's what we did. The, we oh, wow. tested some options with the scenics. We had them spray a Hudson sprayer with writ dye and a burgundy color and it toned down the golds and it, you know, we were able to use the same carpet and yeah. save a lot of money and, and speed expediency. That's fantastic. Uh, Although I would think it would be wet carpet for like a week, and then you it, just have the big fans blowing on it, and like it somehow dried over a long weekend. So we were oh my we god, were lucky. That was yeah. good. That's back east. That's fantastic. That's I kept my... checking the guys' feet, you know, to see if they were white. Yeah, <laughs> had, had burgundy uh, rubber on their soles or something, but no, it dried. Oh my God, that's that was definitely a set that was cutting it really close to see if it was mm-hmm. going to get done in time. It was really like yeah. down Very in the We were we yeah. were still dressing, aging, and painting uh, as the shooting crew arrived. Yeah, yeah. we had to create that grid, uh, the lighting grid. It was very elaborate. Lighting is really important, also in uh, the whole story, and like finding the clues and like even the theater and the, the the neons of the casinos and like just setting moods in in, in every episode so how was lighting because I have found the last couple episodes the last couple uh, shows it's getting harder and harder just with like everything having to be LED everything having to be rebuilt um, having our own fixture person I mean, it's just getting so much more in detail, which is great because then, you know, we do have more input. If, if we're lighting the actors, <laughs> essentially, <laughs> uh, we have more input. And that's a great thing, too, to be in that, you know, that conversation. Um, but how was it for you with lighting? Catherine? Well, I've learned over the past few jobs that it's much easier if I, if myself and the, the director of photography, the DP, uh, hit it off right away and I say, I'm on your team, I'm on your side, you know, let's talk. And I, I will usually show 
show him the yeah. lighting direction that I'm going in and see what he needs right off the bat. You know, what, whether he's, um, uh, you know, what type of lighting he likes to create uh, and work with. So that, that kind of helps a lot. Oh, yeah. when you show up with the wrong lights and then they're scrambling at the last minute, it's it's not a good situation. So yeah. Jaron and I, um, who, who DP'd uh, the episodes that I worked on, um, <clears throat> we talked from the get-go. And uh, we would do, even we did some camera tests on some of the lights just to make sure it was working. And um, uh, and we had a lot of opportunities to to light the scenes, like in the theater. One of the lights has to fall in the catwalk. Mm-hmm. Um, but you also see these lights established in the wide shot when you're seeing the whole house and the stage off in the distance. So um, it has to work. It has to do double duty. Yeah. And, uh, yeah, I mean, thankfully, we had we had three DPs. Steve Yedlin did the first two, one and nine. And then Christine, uh, Ang, and Jaren would alternate after that. But they were all very collaborative. They oh, were very nice. open. And, um, and we got lucky uh, that they were available to some degree during prep to discuss lighting. But I think for like one and nine, we did some illustrations with a kind of mood and lighting for the casino and the mm-hmm. lodge that kind of, you know, gave Steve Yedlin a starting point for us to have a discussion. And I have found that, and you may agree, Kathy, I don't know, especially with streaming and TV schedules, that DPs rely much more heavily on set deck to provide lighting for yeah. the sets in a way that I don't really remember that to be the case several years ago. Yeah, it's uh, huge so, now. You know. Yeah, it's, it is huge. And we did have a whole rigging crew of electricians and that was helpful. And um, I don't know, did we have like a fixtures person in set dressing? Or was it just something the electricians did? Because I know I kind of created one. Yeah, (laughs) yeah, it is. At least for in my experience, it is a. It's a electrician dedicated to set deck. Like he's just in constant, like talking to us about like, oh, you bought these, they don't work. (laughs) Oh, you bought these, these work. Now you can buy the quantity, that type of thing. And then like bulbs going out or whatever, and he's just in constant contact with our crew. That's, I, if I had known how much the lighting was going to be a subject every single fixture I bought, I would have had a buyer on just for lighting. But now I know that. (laughs) And I think that's going to be something, a discussion up front from now on of what is our lighting I mean, DP, whatever, because I'm going to have to put a specific person. I can't go through, I can't buy seven lights and you tell me seven aren't right. And now it shoots in two days. And now I can't get 10 of them because you keep shooting them down. Like it's a, it's a game. It was a constant game of what I had gone through and it all turned out, it all looked great. Like, but it was such a, such a process to get there. It was unbelievable. So I don't know if you're in that mode yet, Kathy, but I am. Oh yeah. Oh yeah. I've learned over multiple jobs that yeah. it's, it's an issue and either I'll find, if I don't have the luxury of having somebody in my set deck team and the buyers, then I will do it and I will work closely with whoever the house electrician is and make sure that we're testing stuff and that the DP sees the test. We did a lot of that for the outside, uh, Judy on the, um, the barbecue, you know, all those lights on the outside and some of the distant lights and the big LEDs and the intensity of them. Uh, a lot of that got tested in advance mm. and um, scrambled at the last minute sometimes. But uh, mm. yeah, I learned my, <laughs> my lesson long ago to get involved in that very quickly, very right off the bat. Yeah, and, and I still feel like I would fall behind even if I got ahead of it. <laughs> like, well, you never know. I mean, never you know. know. It's... <laughs> yeah. The, yeah. Um, I think it's on your Instagram, Judy. You have some beautiful renderings of the casino and the crow's nest and of um, Ster- Sterling, Sterling's office. Mm-hmm. Um, and also looking at the casino, the big chandeliers that were there and everything. So, I mean integrating lighting to a casino 
I was a casino dealer, so I'm always looking, like, when I see casinos of, like, oh, that's too dark. We would never have it that dark. You have to see the cards. What are they doing in this casino here? But <laughs> beautiful chandelier lighting um, in your office. And to me, the, the, the crow's nest is perfect because it's so sinister and it's so, like, that's what they would have. <laughs> it's like, but, and, like, kind of cheesy but nice, like... The whole casino to me was like the perfect vibe. <laughs> so. Well, thankfully, those chandeliers existed. And Ooh. so we we designed everything around those uh, oh, chandeliers. And nice. I think the theater, which was the same space, is distracting enough that you don't clock that. Ooh. Or at least I hopefully people didn't. I did. It's the same space. Not right. at all. No, that's great. I mean, to transform the space to two different things is always kind of like, wow, look at what we did. <laughs> well, we did look for a theater. We searched high and low for an existing theater or some sort of auditorium. We even looked at high school gyms at one point. Um, so deciding on that event space was a last ditch effort. And that was part of the reason why we were cutting it so close because it was a huge undertaking. So and thankfully, you know, the pipe and drape helped tremendously to Always create does. some walls <laughs> barriers. I mean, there's no way we could have built that whole place out in time. So, yeah, and even as it was, the ceiling on the actual stage was too low to do the catwalk scene. Mm. So, you know, you had to design and we had to build a separate catwalk uh, area, backstage area, and also the basement for the trapdoor scenes where she falls oh through the trapdoor. So, none of that would have fit in the actual space. And it kind of needed to be custom anyway. So I thought the team kind of blended those very, very nicely in those the design of it. Really great builds and really, I mean, and so intricate, like you're saying, to the story. You have, you, you almost right. have to build it because of how they've written it. That's always, like, yeah. <laughs> well, we can't find it because you wrote it this way. Can you write it this way? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I'll bet they'll write anything we want right now. <laughs> um how many how many days were you shooting were they nine day episodes or did it matter ten 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 so you had about ten days to prep the next episode then right yeah i mean depending on the episode i know kathy started on eight early on having had the outline and knowing what we needed to create, even though they were finessing the script. So I think having the scripts up front was very helpful to sort of prioritize what the bigger challenges were going to be. So even though we shot every 10 days, I mean, a lot of times we were waiting for the space or scouting for the space. So that's the last minute scramble always, right. uh, not, not the stage builds about how many it seems it seems like you built almost everything though <laughs> I mean you you kind of built a lot of it was location builds you know location as well yeah. yeah like the um like Arthur's uh, animation studio was a barn mm. you know, an empty barn uh and that the challenge of that was bringing in things that made it feel like he had been there working for 40 years or 30 years uh doing his craft and and bringing in all the monsters and creatures that he may have been working on in various stages and the molds and all the stuff that had to source from many, many different uh, creatives and, and designers uh, of these oh my God, yeah. creatures. Clearances yeah. on those. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that was fun. Wasn't that fun? <laughs> Especially because it's NBC Peacock. I mean, they're... They, know, they have a clearance department that's very intricate in uh, the way we work and hindering. I've worked for Peacock, hindering. <laughs> I've had to do a, mo I did a model thing and it was like a joke. They rejected everything. So <laughs> we had to go and just buy ND stuff and make it look like whatever. And But yeah, that, but that layer that you have there is so important because it is about making the character look like they, they've been there a while and it's not all new and it's, you know, giving him that, that life in there. Mm -hmm. What, um, was, was that one of your favorite sets or one of your hated sets? <laughs> I think for me, it was one of my favorite yeah. ones. Um, just, I mean, dealing with the creature people and all the creatives and, yeah. 
trying to track down all of this stuff and going to some of their studios and warehouses and just pulling things that you know will work for the right. background and for creating his character and the story. But also the the technology from 40 years ago, like uh, his um, moviola, the flatbed moviola, and the, we had an upright moviola in the background just as um, a reference point. We had a lot of animation, um, uh, the animation little stage and the creatures that yeah. were, were designed by Phil Tippett who is just an amazing, you know, oh, wow. genius of uh, Jurassic Park and Star Wars and all of those original creatures. I mean, he kind of single-handedly brought back stop-motion animation to movies, to what we do today. And, uh, and his work is evidence of that. So the creatures that he sent us, finally, right, <laughs> really kind of at the last minute, um, they arrived at the studio and I, I know Natasha and, and a couple of people, everybody wanted to see what came and they wanted to see this little set that he built for us. Uh, but nobody had seen it. Nobody knew. And it just arrived with no instructions and they were going to come in like an hour. <laughs> and I had to scramble my set dressing team to, uh, you know, kind of assemble it and figure it out. And I had enough knowledge of, of stop motion animation and, and me and one of the one other guy kind of figured out how to put this thing together with the layers of oh of uh, elements that represented the animation stage for the stop motion uh, creatures. And the fact that the creatures that arrived had had metal articulations inside their skins, and a lot of people would not have known that you can bend them, you know, and oh. move them because that's how they animate them in a stop motion sense. So. That was fun to play with and figure out because they were going to send, I think, a um, uh, consultant to help set that up, oh and he wasn't going to come till the next day. But everybody wanted to see it up and running before before that, so that was a challenge. Yeah, sounds <laughs> was like a good it. One. Yeah. <laughs> How did you know that? Have you done that? Have you done a set like that before? That you found that out, or was it just research and mm, a little bit of both? I mean, when I first started in the business, so dating myself, uh, I did see stop motion animators at work. Mm -hmm. I I had worked for a director who had a flatbed moviola. I know the difference between 16 millimeter width and 35 millimeter film nice which was important when i'm telling my you know the shot my buyers you know okay i need film cans for, to do the archive we want to create this archive of of film memorabilia and uh trying to explain to them that you know the difference between 35 and 16 millimeter they they think it's like the width of the can you know 16 inches or something 16 millimeters and I said, no, no, it's the thickness of the film, 16 oh millimeter film versus 35 millimeter film. It's the width of the film. Oh. And so the height of the, of the film can. So some of that kind of stuff I was able to pull from, you know, my knowledge of starting out in the film business when that was the medium that we worked with. Isn't that, see, yeah. it all comes around. It all, yeah, it, it comes it's around. Yeah. It's interesting because, you know, Kathy and I, are of an age where film was around and working on a steam back was part of the the process but for a lot of younger generations who are watching the show to see right. arthur's barn yeah. they may not know what all those things are but then it becomes something that they are interested in or you know research on their own like what is that thing that he's working on <laughs> or the fact that he's making clay models yeah what is mm -hmm. that it's not how all you thread it yeah <laughs> yeah it's not all cgi you know that people actually make things in three-dimensional <laughs> materials and so i that was interesting to realize later watching it like oh right we all know yeah this, we all know but this a lot of but... people don't and you know which makes it even more interesting for the viewer oh yeah I, I think about that all the time and i actually said it on the podcast yesterday about I'm worried about if people are being influenced enough of what they see now to be, to want to be in the film business. Do you know what I mean? Like I, like for me, like ET or Goonies or like all of the Indiana Jones, like all these movies I can think of. But if I think of what's coming out now, <laughs> you know what I mean? I don't know mm -hmm. what's influent, like Marvel movies and 
And then, like, in the 90s, the influence of such independent films and, like, people just picking up their cam. The guy worked at the video. Two guys, they worked. Kevin Smith and Tarantino, they worked at video stores, and now they're huge director. Like, is that going to happen? I don't know. <laughs> I just... But there's so much good work. Like, like for Emmys, there's so much competition. There is so many good shows, and we're all doing film. We're all making films, kind of. You're making a film. Every episode is a film at this point. The work is so good now, I hope that it influences the way that I was influenced, and I'm, I get worried about it. <laughs> I don't know. I get like... It's, it's a valid worry. Like, worry. everything's being created, CGI. I, AI is now going to come in and... They're scanning all the props and set dressing at the prop houses so that they can just be dropped in digitally. Yeah. <laughs> a lot of that is, is in their future. So, yeah, I mean, they can AI stop motion. They don't even have to, you know, yes. they could just make it a, a, a blurb yeah. in, in the description and it'll do it, which exactly. is so, exactly. so, so scary. I know. I get scared about it. It's sad. I know, because I love this so much. I love what we do. I love, obviously, I love hearing what we do and I love doing it. I just want other people to do it too. I, I think it'll always exist. It'll just become more rarefied and mm. not the norm. It'll just be like the Christopher Nolans who are holding out to shoot film and, mm. you know, maybe one or two, but I think the, they'll still be around. I mean, we'll see how long that lasts, but yeah. there are people who are trying to keep the tradition going. Yeah. So, yeah, well, there's know. that I get scared. <laughs> but then I'm like, oh, look at that new Wes Anderson movie. That'll inspire some people. There's some filmmaking like <laughs> for mass audience. Like, I don't know. But then there's still, you know, there's the crafts that are involved, like building the yacht set uh, for, was it 110? The oh, interior yeah. of the yacht. The interior um, of the yacht is fantastic. You built it's that? It's fantastic. Yeah. Construction. I mean, it was built such a, an amazing effort. First of all, the design that you get Judy and the art department did, but the the construction department, putting that together, bending the wood, you know, making all the spaces and then creating this environment for the scenics to come along and and paint and scenic, you know, all that shiny amazing wood that you would find in a in a real yacht i cannot believe you built that take their pieces and upholster them and do all the upholstery in the ceiling with the little you know the gathers and all the strips and sourcing the windows and the yeah. the nautical fixtures and the door handles and latches i mean that was such a oh my god a, an effort of craft i think on every on the art department construction scenic set deck design I, I thought that was just kind of a really unique beautiful. example of everybody excelling and oh, making that set happen that is a beautiful set i cannot believe you built that bravo yeah. to yes to your carpenters and upholsterers <laughs> and everything because i just thought you got a boat i mean he's on a boat he's <laughs> like a we boat. see him on the boat i mean, I mean <laughs> We cheated the interior yeah. of the actual boat, but um, I mean, I feel like the whole series, you know, we we really got lucky with the crew that we had. I mean, mm -hmm. all the planets did align, and I've said that a few times, where every department brought it, you know, mm -hmm. and we all worked really well together and were very coordinated in the limited time that we had. I mean, otherwise it would not have gotten done. Um, and I think that it was a blur, but it's a miracle. The results childbirth. You know, came out so well. Yeah. <laughs> it is. It's always like childbirth. Like, it's so awful when you're in it. And then a couple months later, you're like, yeah, I'd go back for season two, I guess. I mean, you know, it looks good. So why not? You know? <laughs> well, it's, it's like childbirth. I have an analogy about that. <laughs> you, you birth this project. You, you build it. You create it. You nurture it. And you're like, halfway through it, you're like, get me the heck out of this, off this job. And then it's finished and you forget. You forget yeah. the pain. Oh, yeah. And then you get screwed again. And you're, yeah. All of a sudden, it's a new project. Yeah. All of a sudden, <laughs> your lead man's again. like, it wasn't that bad. We could do, we could do it. Now <laughs> we, we know what that. the... Now we know it's not bad. Now we know what it is. We might as well go back. And I'm like, I thought we were never coming back here. I never yeah. wanted to see this office again. <laughs> get me out of here. 
Our lead man was incredible. I mean, I've done the alternating decorator thing before. And what usually happens is each decorator has their own lead man instead of set dresser so that you leapfrog separately. Yeah. But we had one lead man and I was a little concerned because I thought he was going to be stretched. The set dressers were going to be stretched. Somehow he kept it all together. And of course, trucking was always a challenge as it is on every job. Mm. And the sets always got done. It was never like we showed up and it was not dressed. I mean, who was the lead? Pan Melchiori. Oh, Um, Melchiori. Yeah. Um, Wonderful. He was really great. I agree with Judy totally. Um, We had a good team. A lot of and a lot of A team set dressers live up in the Hudson Valley. They like the idea of not going into the city to the studios so we got great people on every level so how was that though like what was the commute from where your base was to like say your main prop house that you hit was it was it a long was that a day (laughs) like was that a rounder like how it was uh i think well that part of the hudson valley is probably an hour and a half north of new york city Mm. So it's dealing with the commute, you know, sometimes it's four hours trucking round trip or more, but we kind of build that into our pickups and planning. Uh, And we also were lucky to find a couple of uh, suppliers um, up in the Hudson Valley or in Connecticut where the commute was a little easier Mm. for the trucks. But we pulled from so many sources, had so many things shipped in and brought in from the West Coast and, you know, there's no forgetting that, that lamp. Stuff. There's there's no forgetting that one lampshade and going back for no. it. So. And and one of my challenges was uh, when you're dealing with all these creatures and and the artists, the prosthetics artists that make them, you may not the the show may not have an account with these vendors like you would oh, yeah. a normal prop house. So we can't like go in and set up an account and say, okay, I'm picking all this stuff up tomorrow and go get it and bring it. Yeah. Some of these people needed checks right away. Um, they would not release their creative, you know, um, babies without money up front. And so dealing, you know, trying to make that happen quickly in time so that you could actually pick up what you want to rent and get it to you on the schedule that you need. It was a challenge, you know, it was a a lot of burden on accounting to, to react that quickly and on everybody to, to get the orders processed, to get the trust built up with the vendor that you're dealing with and say, okay, yeah, we're going to come and take all your creatures that that you, they're worth a fortune. Uh, and yeah, we'll return them and they'll be fine. But you know, you can't pay them like two weeks later. (laughs) They'll do no. Were you, that was a challenge. Were you like shooting out there and the production office was in the city or like, were you all together out there? We were all together. We had to be. Oh, that's nice. That's kind of nice. I think. Then you're like yeah. you're on your own island, and you can all gather together. But the buyers would go into the city; they'd have to go to the prop houses. Uh, you know, we were spread out and took a lot of coordination to for both teams to to get all the stuff there that was needed in time. I I used to have I'm from Philly. I used to have this like dream of like, oh, I'll go back someday, and then maybe I'll work in New York or Philly. <laughs> Like, then it sort of hit me, like, duh, you already got into this union, like, you're not going to get in that one, or it's too hard. And then I was like, I am petrified to work in New York City. (laughs) I don't know how you do it. I mean, I know, like, once you get your system and you know how long stuff takes and everything, it's fine. But the thought of all that to me of, like, New York City trying to get a truck, trying to get dressing, we forgot a lampshade, forget it. (laughs) Yeah, it was a challenge, believe me. (laughs) Keep up on that a long time ago. Pulling my hair out. <laughs> Judy, are you from yeah. the East Coast, West Coast? No, I I grew up in L.A. I oh. went the opposite way, and I came to New York. <laughs> so then and you I ended right up staying. It. Yeah, yeah it, it suits me. I You know, I miss California. It's beautiful landscape. And a lot of my New York friends have moved to L.A. now. Mm. So when I go there, I visit them. But, yeah, I've, I've been here for many years. Yeah. <laughs> I'm not going to say how long, but yes. <laughs> I'm I'm. I, I know. I flinch at how long I've been in L.A., so I don't even know. We finally got rid of the June gloom, if you know that. You know, like, it's yeah. been so gloomy and awful, and then yesterday and today is nice, so that's a plus, because we're, um, we're off, and it's been totally, like, gloomy every day. Are you getting anything? Are you getting any 
projects done while you're off or are you off? Are you hitting commercials? Are you writing? I am doing projects, personal projects, um, trying to stay busy and not think about, you know, the strike strikes. Hopefully it's only a singular strike. Um, you know, we're all wondering when that's going to end. And, um, yeah, just trying to, there's always projects you've been putting off <laughs> yeah now right. i don't have the excuse of i don't have time i have nothing but time <laughs> I, know. I was just saying my one of my buyers from my last show called me today and she's like oh what are you doing blah, blah, blah. and i was like you know what we're gonna go back to work and i'm gonna be pissed that i didn't learn italian or like i didn't lose 10 pounds like i don't know what i'm doing every- i mean i'm doing the podcast but i don't know what i'm doing every day but i'm busy but it'll just be a chunk of my life that I had off and I didn't get anything done because I can't spend any money. <laughs> I don't know how long this is going to last. So kind of in like a limbo. What are you doing, Kathy? <laughs> well, I'm catching up on projects. There's always yeah. a list. I, I will never, ever be bored. Yeah. I just went to Portugal for three weeks and had a <gasps> oh. fabulous time. So oh, my God, that's awesome. That was, uh, you know, tr- travel is a, is a good anecdote. Lisbon? <laughs> work. Did you Lack of work. Lisbon, all of Portugal, we circumnavigated everything and ended up in the Azores. Oh, so wow. It was fab, just totally fab. Oh. And I'm glad we did it before the crush because now there are lots of tourists there and it's, yeah. it's crazy. The summer. But, oh, uh, yeah, that's crazy. Yeah, yesterday I was doing yard work and pruning you know, my hedges. <laughs> yeah, life. It's like COVID life. all over again. Life. Yep. <laughs> I love it. I love time off. <laughs> now, when they... When they get when they get the call for season two, <laughs> you gotta like get back into it. It's you, it's always like oh I'm ready, but I'm not. I don't want to go back to it, but I'm ready. Let's go. <laughs> um, I have no idea if this is picked up for season two, but I like. I mean, I don't really like Natasha Leone. <laughs> I don't really like her as an actor, but I liked this because she wasn't in every scene. <laughs> You know what I mean? Like, it was a good story all around. And then, like, every episode had, like, what's her name? Chloe Sauvigny. And then, like, you know, Adrian Brody. Like, you had so many good actors in these uh, little plots all around that I, if I, Judith Light. I mean, yeah. uh, yeah. There were amazing guest stars in in that sort of 70s model of Columbo. Yeah. Which is great. I mean, we didn't even know until the last minute, a lot of the times, who the guest stars were oh, going to be. Like fun. Adrian Brody came in last at the very last minute. Um, Sean Lennon. Oh, yeah. right. Lennon has a little quick moment. He has like a little cameo outside of the Lamb uh, exhibit great. space, the big glass uh, tri- um, pyramid of the IBM IMP building. I love that. Uh, I love IMP. Like, wow. Um, did you have like an absolute favorite set that you wish was still standing? <laughs> well, I, I mean, I seriously gave some thought to and asked the producers about uh, maybe keeping the, the yacht interior. Mm. Um, I have a, a cottage on my property that I've Airbnb'd and I, I'm kind of a biggish basement, but I thought, God, that that just to put that set inside the basement oh, yeah. would be like a really cool Airbnb where people could go and stay on a yacht. But you know, I live on a lake, so they go out the door and be at the lakefront. Uh, but just to to spend the time in that set would have been really cool. And then you know, my Virgo practicality woke up and went, oh, I'd have to hire. They'd have to disassemble it. I'd have to hire the con- uh, construction to come and rebuild it and actually make the cabinets work for storage or the bathroom. You know, right. it's, it's more of a project, but I was so tempted because <laughs> oh. it was such a wonderful, unique set. And it, it I had still a, everybody wish went in there. Yeah, yeah, it's beautiful. I, I can't believe I you built that. Trash that. And... Oh, it's so heartbreaking. Yeah. Judy? Well, you know, the barbecue set, They the location kept a lot of it. Oh, nice. Oh, that's nice. Through their restaurant bar and their kitchen. We completely revamped their kitchen, the whole, you know, the gravel, all of it. I think the road they had to close. I mean, obviously, they didn't keep the the radio station, but um, they kept a lot of it. Yeah. Oh, that's good. That's always a compliment. I always find, like, when you go to people's houses and they're like, can we keep these curtains or these shears? And you're like, sure. (laughs) 
we made an improvement. We improved, like you say, we improved their property. I mean, we there was a whole area outside of the the what had been the garage bay uh, repair bay uh, and the brewery <clears throat> part of the space where you stepped outside, and they had like a. Mm. It was going to be a slab where they were they were going to had plans in the future to put a cement slab out there, but it was dangerous coming out that kitchen door to the area that we wanted to be housed the um, the smokers, and so we got approval and and ended up pouring a cement slab that was beautiful for them, and so they got very excited over that. Oh wow! And then well, we <laughs> they wanted to keep the shed that the um, the smokers were in and uh you know there was some debate about whether it was structural enough long term but you know they would have had to put footings and stuff and they decided to do it i guess and got approval to do it oh that's great uh, but there were a lot of improvements made <laughs> yeah on top of their location fee yeah they, they, right. they made out pretty well <laughs> yeah yeah yeah, we, well, we did a we did a bluestone slab, a, another one in another area of that oh, space too. So they lucked out. Yeah. That's like <laughs> home renovation show. <laughs> Completely. Yeah. Are you uh, are you watching anything that's uh, inspiring or that you are just like blown away about, or the sets, or wish you I worked on it? Watching Wednesday. I know I'm mm. a little behind, and that's that's so a fun good. that's a fun show. Yeah. That's really yeah. good. I mean, I, I'm falling back on my techie thing. I started watching Star Trek, and I, I think I watched the last episode last night. Of oh, my God, that's great. Other Worlds or whatever. Um, but there's such great stuff out there. I mean, I some of the shows are phenomenal. I still have to catch up on Succession. I, I haven't seen the last season of that. Um, I love, you know, Mrs. Maisel. Uh, all the sets are – Ellen did an amazing job on those yeah. sets. Um, so I have so many favorites to I know. catch up on and continue. I get so like sad when things end because I'm like, oh, like Maisel, like Maisel's done, done. And you're like, oh, what happened to those sets? Like what a, all that wardrobe, like, oh my gosh, I hope other shows grab it or like manipulate it or it goes into prop houses, just a plethora of, of period pieces from that show. I can't imagine. Oh, what they oh. Jinko was another show I saw recently that I oh, yeah. was really engrossed in and I binged watched that in like one day. And I was <laughs> nice. and I was really bummed. Oh, we're gonna have to wait another year for a season two. But it's really well done. And I feel like they got all the period stuff correct. Oh nice. And that yeah. won the ADG award, I think. I think oh, did won, it? I think that won this year, yeah. I just binged the the bear in one day. Basically one day. Oh. It was That's good. a fun show. Yeah. And then mm. I didn't realize season two comes out this week. So now, so I was like, oh, I planned that pretty well. <laughs> you have to wait for the season two. But yeah, it is. We're all, I'm, you guys, that's phenomenal work on this show. Bravo. I mean, create, I, I knew it when, when I was watching it of like, they had nothing to fall back on here. <laughs> this is like run and gun the whole show. This must be exhausting. So bravo for pulling it off because... I really thought you drove cross country and shot in different cities. <laughs> so bravo. Good. Oh, yeah. <laughs> I thought we had great teams. I thought Lizzie's team did an excellent job. Um, I, I think all the episodes kind of worked together. Oh, yeah. Very well. Seamlessly. And, and the consistent design that Judy provided. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, we had a really good team all the way around, just art department that designers scenics construction you know and the two decorators and the set dressers i mean it really it worked out so well i feel very fortunate because any one of those things did not kind of work in the sort of oh, yeah. uh, world in which we had to run and gun i think it would have been that much more difficult because we were already challenged for time yeah uh, there was no going back to fix or redo there was none of that. So it really is a miracle. <laughs> well, bravo. I know I, I, I feel your pain and I am blown away by by your uh, end product. So bravo. Really job well done. And so nice to meet both of you. It's Likewise. fantastic. And, you and as well. I'm a fan, fan of your work. Fan of your work, guys. I mean, <laughs> Judy, come on over to L.A. and hire me. <laughs>
It was so nice to connect with these two women and to hear about the process of this show. Um, and their decor and, and design of it uh, was fantastic for, it sounds like, a very hectic schedule and um, being on the run, just like, just like the character of the show, which I think is kind of funny. Uh, it's funny, haha, for me, because I didn't have to do it, but um, yeah, that's bravo to them, because I know how hard it is. Um, I'm, also, I'm a fan of these women. Judy has done uh, Let the Right One In, Better Call Saul, Jessica Jones, which was a huge show, and Kathy, I had um, almost connected with in uh, 2020, February 2020, I was emailing with her about Hunter's first season to try on the podcast, and then that little pandemic happened, and uh, we kind of lost, lost touch, but big fan of hers. I love the Americans she did. She did the second season or third season of uh, Jack Ryan and a bit of the fourth. So um, I also would love to talk to her about those projects too. But um, yeah, so I thank them so much for their time and um, being able to talk with them uh, was fantastic. So I hope you enjoyed that. But hey guys, I think that's it. I mean, almost every episode this year you can listen to Emmy, an Emmy contender. I've been so lucky. I thank everyone so much. Um, And good luck to everyone. And don't forget to vote if you're an Emmy voter. Um, I hope that I've opened up to some fans of these shows how much work goes into making them and the creativity that it takes to get it done. And um, it's not easy. And we don't show up to dressed and designed sets. Um, Like they said, they had to build that whole theater they had to build that whole kitchen like sometimes you go to a kitchen and you shoot it and it's great and you add this and that and sometimes you gotta build the kitchen the yacht if you look at episode 10 of the show and you see this yacht it's crazy to me that they built that like they couldn't i mean i get it finding the interior of a boat that's big enough to shoot in but people do it but yeah uh, the inside of that yacht I would have I would have tried to taken it at least a couple pieces it was fantastic um, so yeah again bravo to their work bravo to everyone else's work try to catch up on some episodes I'm gonna take next week off people and then it's for the July weekend I'll give you a little something on the fourth how about that uh, for your ride home from your uh, three to four day weekend how about that um, in fact, I can even tell you who that is because I've already talked with them. It is Tracy Collins, who... This is so much fun. Tracy Collins is a production designer of Power Rangers once and again. And I had an absolute blast researching this. My boys loved it. And, um... God. It was just fun to connect with her about the project because you never know what goes into all of these movies and shows and, um... So yeah, and then after that I have Cabot McMullen and Brandon Martinez talking about the Disney Plus movie, Flamin' Hot. So yeah, and after that we'll see, we'll see. Then it's Emmy time, then it's Emmy announcements, and oy vey, here we go again. So I hope you got an earful. I'm Kim Wanup for Decorating Pages. <laughs>